one album brimming with smash hits and iconic pop culture moments. That is the legacy of True Blue, Madonna's third album and the moment her sound aligned with the maturing artist she was becoming. A strong, confident voice coupled with sophisticated tracks. There's absolutely nothing kitschy about this album. It's all woman, strong and proud. Join us as we delve into the true blue era, one of the most exciting in Madonna's history. And to do so, we have a panel, my usual sidekick, Megs. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. I was worried about this podcast, though, that it might get a little bit awkward between you and I. Oh, why? Well, Papa Don't Preach was the title of that lawsuit you brought against me in 2012. (laughs) They don't title lawsuits. You remember when you tried to emancipate yourself from me? Mm, I'm still trying to. Well, yeah, but I won, didn't I? And and yeah, why? Yes. Why did I win? Uh, because Dada knows best. Because I had the sizzling photos that you didn't want the world to see. <laughs> oh, God. You remember? Yes. How quickly what are you we forget. About it's good to have you. Good to have you, yeah. Carol, who's operating off the power of a backup generator, I believe. G'day, Carol. Hi. <laughs> it's great to have you on the show. You did describe some problems you were having, though. Apparently, your mum has a bit of a tendency to do something shocking to you every now and then. Maybe, okay, it was. I was just kidding when I said that my mum tends to cut out, cut off the electricity. But, but yeah, I uh, today she's she's at work, so you know, good thing, good good for me. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show, Carol. It's fantastic to have you on. Thank you. And just for people who might be wondering about the accent, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Poland. And um, yeah, I'm from Poland. (laughs) (laughs) Good on you. Nothing more to say. (laughs) Carol's a big Madonna fan. Welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you. Uh, Lee, Lee, it's been a few hours since you started shoehorning yourself into that conical bra. How are you going? You're still struggling with it there? I I gave up in the end. I just went, I took it off and went for my my Italians do it better t-shirt instead. Much more comfortable. But you're not wearing a bra. No, I'm letting it go free. Anyway, great to have you on the show, Lee. Hey, Chad, the man with his finger on the pulse of current pop music. How are you? I'm good. How are How are you? Fantastic. It's great to have you on the show. How many how many podcasts have you joined in on now? This is my third and um what's really cool is it went her first album, second album, third album. So I'm excited to follow that that trajectory with you guys cuz um that's mm. really her rise to power. So mm, it's an exciting yeah. discussion, I think. And hello Rocco. Hi Tim, how's it going? True Blue, let's talk about this this monumental album here. And Chad, I would actually like to start with you, if that's all right, because you have a fan uh, site where you really focus on Madonna's image and photos, rare photos, fantastic photos, an archive, if you will, of photographs. You've shared hundreds oh, yeah. from this particular era. So can you walk us through the imagery for True Blue? Because this was for me, just such a bold and bra- we look mm. at it now and go, okay, yep, yeah, Madonna has a habit of, you know, shaking things up. But yeah. at the time she went from, you know, very defined image, which was working well for her. And she, mm, she right. literally cut it all off. Yeah. So walk us through it there, Chad. Oh my God. Yeah. The first of many huge transformations that we're all so enamored with. 
but um, this one in particular was the first really bold one where she literally stripped off everything that every girl was emulating about her and that whole street urchin look and, and did her first of what would be many like throwback looks. And I think that's what's so amazing about her too is all of the throwback she does in her looks to bygone eras. Uh, we don't see that from her anymore, unfortunately, but um, you know, that was her, that was one of her big trademarks that I think actually sometimes gets lost on people, but like this era was definitely um, had a lot of fifties in it and just a lot of really cool um, stuff in it. And uh, yeah, I think that it was the start of everyone then copying the next thing she would do. So I think people copied like this say, look too, but I think of modern day. Yeah. Like imagine if Ariana Grande chopped mm. off her hair, like seriously yeah. to to this extent. Yeah. Like it's a it's so it, commercially brave even because yeah. she yeah. was going, okay, I know I'm on a winner here, but I'm going to chuck it out the window. And she didn't right. know at that stage that this would what she'd become known for. In fact, it became her yeah. product for transformation. I know. But it, at the time, amazing. Yeah. She had only just permeated fully through pop culture with that look. So most artists would have held on at least a little bit longer to really like mm -hmm. revel in that and in that power of everyone trying to be like you. But she was so part of her genius in that is the awareness that that was not a permanent thing, right? That was a trend of that mm -hmm. moment and it was going to go away. And if she could either get lost in that and forever be thought of as a nostalgia type artist or reinvent herself. Reinvention wasn't a thing. Think of mm. Michael Jackson. Think of Prince, her, her two biggest idols at the time. But then you yes. even think of, of the movie stars that she emulated. Even they were like they had their look and they right. virtually did stick to it. So she mm. was an absolute trailblazer. Groundbreaking. Rocco, how would you, how would you describe, Rocco, the look itself, though, that she cultivated here? Well, <clears throat> the image, I would say, was very much a tribute to Marilyn Monroe, who she said that she grew up with. Um, but I think that with her imagery, she always wanted to continue to evolve and change, but I think that it was always a very natural thing for her. I don't think it was as premeditated as it appeared to be. Madonna said that the earlier, the first two albums, she was just dressing the way that everyone else was dressing in her social circle at that time in New York. You know, she had her friend Maripol designing her bracelets and it, it was a very natural look for that time. But she said once she started to make more money, she could afford nicer clothes and she could, you know, do different things. So she had more options. So that's really what led to, I think, this this particular um, incarnation. I agree 100%, Rocco, that um, I think that's what people always say, that she's just conniving and and. Uh, manipulating her image when actually it's kind of the opposite. It's it's completely tied to her art. And Lee, as somebody who was a big fan at the time and you were emulating the Like a Virgin look, were you devastated when, when Madonna came out with this platinum look? Do you know, I wasn't that, I wasn't that devastated. It, it was kind of like the progression from... Um, ordinary pop star to superstar wasn't it it was kind of like we couldn't necessarily copy that stuff because it was very expensive designer stuff um but no I, you know it was i i had the album on cassette i'd gone from vinyl 
to cassette. So I used oh. to carry it around and play it in my on my Sony Walkman, which wasn't a Sony Walkman. <laughs> it was like a fake one. It was like a pony smokeman or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Megs and Carol, this is interesting because you're yeah. both young, right? Um, Very young. And I say that with a lot of bitterness and resentment. <laughs> when you look at that album cover up on the screen uh, mm. and the images that surround this and the video clips, what do you make of it? Well, I would say that it's much more stripped back and sort of innocent, like everyone's saying. Like she had gone from sort of artistic radicalism and, you know, pushing the frontiers type of stuff and, and setting the trends to like being a little bit more traditional. And what I've read is that she was trying to engage an older audience um, and to appeal to older demographics just a little bit more um, so that she could attract a, a wider range of the public sort of thing. Carol? Um, you know, it's one of her most iconic um, yeah. iconic uh, reinventions mm. or, you know, photo shoots or something. I know, I think it was in- inspired by Andy Warhol, if I'm correct. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> but um, uh, and I think Rocco or Chad, one of you said that she tried to engage the um, <clears throat> the older demographic, and I have to agree, especially here in mm. Poland. Throughout her career, there's this. Um, she likes to consider herself a uh, a revolutionary and a radical and you know mm. a symbol of change this cutting off of the hair in psychology or usually shaving the head is actually quite a deep um issue and it's a very fascinating issue as, as well she didn't shave her head here i totally acknowledge that but <laughs> this has got to be some sort of protest and it doesn't it's it's not yeah. lost on me that the music has also matured there's so many videos here in in true blue that are could be studied quite frankly like if you look at open your heart there's there's a line between porn and power and um oh my god there's all this right on yeah yeah, the debate that goes on and i swear this cutting the hair off and where she'd come from like i know i'm going too deep but being sexual like this is almost like a protest move to me um Mm. But I'm going to do things on my own terms. I probably completely articulated this in a very messy fashion. But that's I always just find it so interesting that she did it because she absolutely could have just went along being this very successful product. But the music, the image, it all aligned here. It was absolutely fascinating. You know what? I think you pressed on Uh, a really – oh, you go. No, no. Your turn. Oh, well, I just, I just wanted to say that with the Open Your Heart, it is a big debate about what she was trying to say and if she did it well, which because it's about sort of the male gaze and voyeurism and, you know, looking at women and That's objectifying right. them. Peep and Tom's. feminist writers were saying that she tacked on that last bit where she dances with the boy just to sort of make it seem like it's artistic when actually it was just about oh, sexualizing no. herself, oh, which no. I think is a ridiculous interpretation because mm. I think the whole the whole video clip was sort of yeah trying to say the opposite of that um and you know people were saying you know the the way they portrayed the the people looking at him and uh, looking at her and gazing at her was sort of as leering and pathetic and so i think that's she was almost making a statement about that Mm. that i'm more than that something like that and maybe the hair has something to do with that rocco i'm going to go over to you because she dedicated this album to Sean, Sean Penn. Penn. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't know if she dedicated it to him, but I know it was very much inspired by him. Rocco, what's yeah. the background to True Blue as, as far as you see it? She dedicated it 
to Sean. Yes, she did. She wrote, um, this album is dedicated to my husband, the coolest guy in the universe. Um, <clears throat> she, I believe, has said something to the effect of that she was clearly inspired by being in love and that that's clearly what these songs were inspired by. I don't have the exact quote, but that was definitely um, part of her inspiration here, uh, particularly with the song True Blue. But I think overall she said that the songs have a very romantic um, quality to them. And I, I definitely can see that. Um, the first song that she that anyone heard from this album was Love Makes the World Go Round. She sang it at Live Aid, mm -hmm. Live Aid sorry, in uh, 1985. <clears throat> and um, it was, I think, a bit of time after that before Live to Tell came out. And then um, that was for Sean's movie At Close Range. And then the album rollout started after that. She worked with uh, Steve Bray again, and she also uh, worked with Patrick Leonard on this album. And they were her two main collaborators uh, on this record. And one of the songs, Where's the Party, they did, uh, both of them, Steve and Pat, produced with her. But for the most part, she did some with Steve and some with, and some with uh, Pat. Yeah, I wanted to say, because, uh, you know, I wanted to say that this album, at least for me, thematically, it feels a little bit like, um, you know, like a base for her next project, which is exactly like a prayer, you know, this really big, you know, mm -hmm. probably one of her most controversial albums in her career. You can see the seedlings of Like a Prayer all through True Blue. When I was listening to it all this week, I kept thinking, yeah, this is no wonder Like a Prayer came along after this. Yeah, if I can just lay down some, uh, read some facts about this album that I think are incredibly impressive. Uh, mm. True Blue was an immediate global success, reaching number one in a then-breaking 28 countries across the world. It spent 34 consecutive weeks at the top of the European album charts, mm -hmm. longer That's than true. any other album in history. It yeah. became the top-selling album of 86, as well as yes. the best-selling album of the 80s by any female artist, yes. with estimated sales of over 25 million copies worldwide, Woo! one of the best-selling albums of all time, her best-selling studio album, um, Live to Tell, oh. Papa Don't Preach, True Blue, Open Your Heart, and Lies La Bonita all number ones on either the U.S. Billboard 100 or U.K. Singles Chart. And, uh, yeah, Amazing. I mean, that, I mean, it's it speaks for us. Lots of strokes of genius in this, from yeah. the Latin-flavored uh, song. of All these things have been now copied by a lot of other artists. So this yeah. was setting a lot of iconic trends and moments that female artists would pick up for generations. You no, know, that's our bitch, so, you know... She's Madonna. <laughs> Alejandro, anyone? Lee, what was it like back in the uh, 80s when this came out? These songs were everywhere, weren't they? They were in supermarkets, MTV, all across the radio. Oh you goodness. could not escape Madonna at the time. No, it was kind of like the beginning of like Madonna mania, wasn't it? It was like, you know, she'd been successful, but with True Blue, it kind of exploded. And, and, yeah. and she literally was everywhere um and and culturally um you know people were like doing skits of her on on comedy shows um we've got a, a, a very famous comedy duo called french and saunders here in the uk um, and they did the 
Yeah, they did this hysterical um, sort of recreation of the Papa Don't Preach video, which was brilliant. Um, and yeah, it was very, it was glossy. It was, she wasn't messing around, was she? It was glossy pop that was yeah, really, really good. Like yeah. Next yeah. level professional from the previous two, mm. for sure. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. it positioned her to now be on that level of like a Michael Jackson where she was not mm-hmm. quite there yet before. The first track of this, uh, I, I take on board, Rocco has said Love Makes the World Go Round was the first glimpse we got into this album. But the first single, and we'll start with track by track with the first single, it was Live to Tell, am I right? I believe this was initially introduced as this song for the soundtrack to the movie At Close Range. I don't know if it was known to be a part of the album at that time. Um, I'm not sure if it was always intended to be on the album or if the single just did really well and they decided to include it on the album um, when they were sequencing it. I don't know if that's how it went, but that's how it seems. You Live to Tell was uh, originally by a song by Patrick Lennard for another film, Fire yeah. with Fire, apparently. Uh, Madonna wrote it for someone else to sing originally. And the day she wrote it with Patrick, he had also worked with Michael Jackson that same day. So it's got to oh, be wow. like an like, yeah, there's another in history for him. There was a lot of Michael Jackson connection with this album because I think Jackie Jackson yeah. sang backgrounds on one of the songs. Saida Garrett was singing backgrounds on this album too, who did the duet with him on the Bad album. I have to be really critical. Okay, this is my time. Okay. <laughs> yes, but, you go for it. But uh, this album is just. I just can't stand it. Like, <gasps> I just can't stand it. Did you hear the gasps then from from the from the rest of us? We went. <gasps> what the well, f- yeah. Hang on a second. Just 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 everyone, everyone, ease down. up, ease up, everybody, <laughs> ease up. Now, uh, Rocco, I want you to go and stand over in that corner, Meeks. Get out of the whole room because you're furious. I am. Chad, I know that you're upset right now. I'll but be okay. He's a Kleenex. Okay, you and know. Lee. In particular, don't be a bully. You're an older man. You can you can tolerate this. And everyone, don't think my listen. heart will stake. Hear no, him I, out, Carol. You have the floor. Um, keep you, going. You, keep you going. Know, I, I would like to say why this album feels like you know a big mishmash, like a mixed bag of different styles, different songs. That it's like a collection. Those songs really doesn't stick together. It's like it's it's even more you know, miscellaneous than Rebel Heart. And, you know, it's Ooh. worth mentioning that Rebel Heart is really miscellaneous, like, mm, questionably. But, you know, what I try to say is that this album is too miscellaneous, too all over the place. And, you know, like the, mm, just, uh, it drives me crazy. Although there are tracks, there are tracks that are really like, and as we mentioned before, singles, fucking iconic, okay? Iconic. Just say that, iconic. Even my mom, again, my mom, even my mom know, knows some of those tracks and she really hates Madonna with passion. She really hates oh. Madonna with passion. Mm. But she oh, was a teenager wow. at the time. Carol, you've, you've made controversial statement, but you uh-huh. have every right to it. Now we're going to let people respond. Now Carol's Come accusation on. is that this album is a mishmash, that it has yeah. no consistency. And that he hates it, and his mother especially hates it. No, no, no. I'll, my mother, I'll say, I think my mother likes this album. You missed, 
That I, uh, that's not decide? entirely invalid. Um, some of the songs and styles, like I get what you see with "Live to Tell." It wasn't written for this album, but um, it it really deepens and enriches the album and gives it like this uh, other side that is so much deeper and than all the other material. So I love it being on there for that reason. It's like mm, too all over the place, too many different styles. Like we have like flamenco Spanish inspired track, like, like, like Virgin Jesus. What the heck? Like La Isla Bonita. We have, uh, I think like this kind of doo-wop-ish 60s kind of song like True Blue. We have classical uh, 80s pop with, for example, Papa Don't Bridge. There's just like too many different tracks. And, to top to top it all off, there's also a ballad. I think one of her the worst ballads of Madonna's career, Live to Tell. I just uh, another track that I can't stand. Wow. No, they're all so good. That that's what they have in common. They're all so good. And they they're a love song. The, Sorry, the whole thing, the, I think the whole album's a love letter. I, I hope it's Lee. I just you know, I just I can't agree with you, you know. Mm. I think you know, taste is very personal, isn't it? And what one person takes from something, somebody doesn't take from it. And, it, and it, it's how we hear different things. And that's absolutely fine. Even though sometimes that's wrong. That's fine. Um, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, we support yeah, you, I, Carol. I, I, you know, yeah, we, yeah, everybody has their own opinion, and that's, that's absolutely you know, fine. I'm not trying to say that your opinion is bad or something, because I completely respect your opinion. Uh, you, have, you know, I have many, 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 many weird opinions when it comes to some of the tracks from Madonna's career further or earlier. But, um, hmm, you know, I just, I just don't feel this album, like, not at all. Like, it's just, rock and roll, rocker. I think that this album, see, I do agree that there's a lot of different um, perspective, a lot of different sounds and a lot of different styles that the different songs embody. But I think that there is a consistency to this album in terms of mood, even on a song like Live to Tell. Um, I think that her vocals sound the best out of her entire 80s output even more than on like a prayer in my opinion and this is my personal favorite of all her 80s albums yeah and i think that the vocals tie are tying the album together they there's a consistency in the in the style and the type of vocal and the professionalism and it's that's very different from the first two albums have you ever had jimmy jimmy yeah this track sucks <laughs> 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 you know, I'm salty. I'm salty. Okay, but that's why I have two names in in my you know in this. I don't know what's what what is that, but that's why I I, I call myself Charlie Carol because Charlie is re- this really um, you know aggressive, really kind of you know um, all over the place talkative person, and Carol is like you know very calm down, very uh, you know uh, polite that person that agree that agrees with everyone and say sorry for almost every single shit he does so you know that's why well what i love about what you're saying there carol is that we've got two for the price of one so that is a wonderful thing we're going to go track by track now okay so we've we've talked about the opening single live for tell let's go back to the opening track on the album true blue papa don't preach now i've got to start I'm going to start with this one, actually, Carol. Oh, Papa Don't Preach, they don't make music like this anymore, in my opinion. It's It's got a a message, a story. It's got a character. 
uh, an accompanying video clip that actually supports the story, by the way. Hello, yeah. Kylie. Can you please tell a story in a video clip? Get out of my way. What a missed opportunity that was for a, for a fantastic story. Oh, my story. goodness. I love the video. Fuck off. And... And a melody which is both pop uh, as a pop song, so for that all aside, what I just said, melancholy and uh, yeah. foreboding in the actual melody of this song. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this song, this song is great. Yeah, I think it's got a very deep message. It's it's part of the reason that so many critics said that it's it sparks debate, and you know, it's an album that actually has a lot of meaning in its lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think this is the only song that does that. But, yeah, and it's also just the song itself, even if you just want to take the music, it's just it's such a good song. Like It's it's very um, ethereal, I would say, with the violins and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And the video clip is just, is just excellent and very artistic. Yeah. You know, I wanted to say, because, uh, like, maybe I will start with the song itself. I like this song. It's not that bad. As I, as I, you know, as I thought it is, as I, as I thought it was, because before I listened to this album again today, I was like, oh my goodness, I have to listen to Papa Don't Preach again. I hate this track. But actually, no, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It, uh, the violins reminds me about Beautiful Killer from MDNA, which I love. I love Beautiful Killer. Okay, but it's for the another podcast, not this one. But um. Uh, but what I want to say is that I think Jameson, <laughs> I think that the, the, the one of you said that this song has a message, and I have to completely agree. It's 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 really evident, and this song is very actual, very current even today. The message it carries, like for example, right yeah. now here when I live in Poland, we're like experiencing the revolutionary or even the civil war because of the abortion, actually, Mm, you know, and this song in a way touches the topic of abortion and, you know, and the pregnancy. So, um, hmm. It was just a fantastic pop song. It was, you know, and it's only as as you mature, do you kind of realize the meaning behind certain songs? So yeah, it's a fantastic pop song, but it was kind of like when she became, you know, it wasn't just pop. She had a message behind what she was saying, so it wasn't just a frothy pop song. Yeah. Um, it had it had a meaning, um, which which perhaps as a kid you don't really get, but like you say, as you mature and, and time moves on, you kind of get that. It was filmed in Staten Island, New York. Um, she uh, has her friend Debbie Mazar in the video. Um, Danny Aiello, I believe is how you say his name, was the actor who played her father. And um, there's, of course, that iconic Italians do it better T-shirt. And uh, I'm sure at every Madonna concert I've been to, I've seen at least one or two people with either that same T-shirt or a different version of that T-shirt. So that was definitely um, left a lasting impression. But this song was this song was interesting because it it. I think we all know by now that Madonna is very much pro-choice politically, but mm-hmm. when it came out, there were a lot of pro-life people who were championing her for the lyrics because the lyrics yeah. are basically saying, I'm going to keep my baby. And, um, and it's interesting how this song could be read on many different levels. Well, I, I just wanted to point out uh, that the B side of this is Pretender, which is from... <laughs> 
her, her previous album, which I just think is strange. But um, I, I mentioned before uh, Strokes of Genius at this time in her career. Um, one of those was like the classical music at the beginning, right? Because that was like pretty mm. novel at the time, yeah. but also really, really cool and would be, become trendy and was part of appealing mm. to a more sophisticated audience. And I think and she people. really liked old movie stars and wanted to fall into a cl- more yeah. classic, sophisticated look and era. So mm-hmm. um, those are just some of my thoughts. The video is very literal. It takes you through the story of a young girl and, uh, wrestling with the her pregnancy and what to do about it and her father in the video. Uh, the guy that plays her father passed away in December of last year. So yeah, I wanted um, to say that there's some another trivia. There was also "Ain't No Big Deal" on the B side too, Chad. Well, so throwback, yeah. Or was that for True Blue actually? Um, I believe. Let me yeah. check. Hold on. Yeah, they, there's a brilliant True Blue uh, 45 that's like bright blue, and it has mm-hmm. "Ain't No Big Deal" as the B side, and it's one of my most cherished like Madonna vinyl. It was actually on the Papa Don't Preach single too. Ain't no big deal. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's that's interesting that she had older. I think this might be the only era that she threw older songs from a previous album sessions as B-sides. I don't ever I recall her doing that. I think Supernatural comes from this session too that appeared as a cherished B-side. I, I just, I, it's my prediction that Supernatural... I thought that one was recorded later. Okay. Open your heart. This is a, a fantastic oh song. And this is the one where we're talking about the video clip potentially being yeah, very open to interpretation. We're going to start with you, Megs. Open yeah, your yeah. heart. What do you make of this track? Well, I think it may be... Uh, one of my favorite songs, maybe my favorite song on this whole album. It's just such a beautiful song. Um, and obviously with the video c- clip, it actually added a lot of um, meaning to it as well. Um, and originally it was intended for Cindy Lauper, which is an interesting what? little... What? Yeah. I, I think it was originally intended for Cindy Lauper to do, uh, but she rejected it. Um, wow, that was a mistake. She could never. Big mistake. Big mistake. Huge. Huge. And, but yeah, and she just took it and run with it. And it's just... I don't know how really to describe it. I think it's just the mu- music itself that speaks to me so much. But um, also the video clip, which we talked about, which yeah. I think definitely the more I think about it was her trying to say that you shouldn't see me purely as a sexual object, basically. Mm. Like I want someone that sees my personality and can have fun with me. Because in the end, it's sort of like she runs away with that boy because he's like they're having fun together. They're, you know, they're, she's throwing his hat to the ground or whatever they did at the end of the video clip. And I think it's very meaningful and nice. So, yeah. Well, Madonna... That that part was meant to symbolize her choosing innocence at the end over the uninnocent situation before, yeah. That's what I was going to say, yeah. She did an interview with Molly Meldrum in 89 for her Like a Prayer album, and she was talking about that video, and that's exactly what she said. She said that it was about innocence versus decadence, and in the end she chose innocence. As much as I hate the whole album, this track, oh my goodness, I love it. I just love it. I love the message it carries. And I think that even you can read it in many different ways, whether it's about sex or whether it's about love. You know, I just love this track and it's one of my favorites. Lest we forget the first appearance of a cone bra on Madonna 
in yes. a video <laughs> or anywhere really. And then uh, and that yeah, video was, was directed, one. and it was not Jean Paul. Yeah, but this was really controversial video. Uh, from what I've read, this video was banned in Poland. Uh, Poland at the time and still is very Catholic country. Catholicism plays a big role in our country. And at the time, the Pope was actually John Paul II. And he's he was Paul. So, you know, um, many factors, many factors, I think, attributed to the fact that this video was banned by some hmm. stations, TV stations in oh, Poland. Wow. I, mm-hmm. so I wanted to say, too, music. that um, Madonna very much loves uh, an artist, uh, Tamara de Lempica. And this is the first time she incor- she collects art. So she actually has a lot of her original pieces. But this is the first time we see it like in a Madonna production is that outside of the the little club that she dances in has a big billboard featuring some of her art. Oh, and, yeah. Um, some of that art and then later we see it in vogue we see it in a bunch of different places but she's a visionary definitely okay so we'll just take a quick pause here to discuss the collaboration between madonna stephen bray patrick leonard because this is the stuff of legends the the combination of of these um incredible talents well i know that her and steve met uh, in Michigan, they were friends. And then he came to New York when she was living in New York in um, the early 80s, I believe. And uh, they worked together on her first demos. They kind of had a brief falling out when she was doing her first album. And then they got back together when she was doing Like a Virgin. And he was a co-writer on a couple of the songs. And then she brought him back as a producer for this album. And um I'm not sure how her and Pat met, but I do know that they were very close as well. I know that Madonna was particularly close with Jessie, Pat's daughter, and the uh, song Dear Jessie on Like a Prayer was actually written for her. And um, there's a photograph actually of Madonna holding Jessie, which is, uh, I'm sure if you Google it, you can find the picture, but it's a really cute picture. What the devil is going on with White Heat? Somebody's um, going to know this, I know, but all this um, movie stuff at the beginning of it, what, what's all that about? Yeah, That's from a movie called White Heat, which is where the song gets its name from. It was, uh, it came out in 1949 and it stars James Cagney. And that's the guy who's speaking at the beginning of the song. I definitely think it goes on way too long. I have to say it's, it's not a nice addition to kind of, to tell you what the song is inspired by, but it it's too long of an intro. But the song itself, I think, is great. It has a rock edge. I love it. I love the spoken word. A copper, a copper. I love all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it does go on for a little bit too long. Um, but I think, in general, majority of these tracks on on this album, I say, have a single long ability. So you can really sing along to them. It's you know it doesn't matter whether they were a single or whether an album track. They're, they're, but I, I love White Heat. It's really sort of a little bit harder, a little bit sort of more disco hard sound. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really good. I don't like it. It's too long. It's very boring. Like what the heck is going on with the theme of that song? I just like and the the the, the those spoken words in the beginning. Like Madonna usually, or she has a tendency to do that. Like for example, she did that 
amazingly on what it feels like for a girl, one of my personal favorites. But on this track, mm-mm, no. I gotta say I love it, uh, if I can. Uh, this is uh, another one of my favorite tracks. And I don't think it goes on too long in the beginning because I love so much like old film and like Madonna. And I can't think of another pop artist that does to that degree and injects it into their work in the same way. I think of everything from the Vogue rap to um, the Mar- oh, yeah. Marlena Dietrich references and all this stuff from such a rich area of... Um, era, I should say, of Hollywood. I mean, I can't think of any other artist that appreciates it on the level that Madonna does. And I'm all about it. So I love it. I think that Mm. people are going to hate me because of my comments on this album. No hate at all. No, no. I mean, in comments, you know. (laughs) Well, they shouldn't hate either. I hope so. Well, can I can I just say it might be me being eccentric, but to me this song sounds a lot like "Where's the Party," especially when she says "This is a bust." She says "This is a bust" in the chorus, and that reminds me of when she says "I'm ready now" in the bridge of "Where's the Party." It's interesting you say "Where's the party party to me." Yeah, "Where's the Party to Me" has exactly the same as "Love Makes the World Go Round." You can fit that into that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so it seems like "Where's the Party" was like yeah. It links to the other ones quite well. Maybe that she Which wrote goes back to that to point other. of consistency, I suppose, that you and I hear some consistency through this album, yeah. if not almost replica. Strong musical yet consistency. Yeah, other people don't. Yeah. I, yeah. I think there's a handful of tracks that are very consistent, though, that you can tell they were done mm-hmm. in the same you know sessions or whatever, and they yeah. feel like a certain vibe that they're going for. And then there's a few sprinkled in that kind of stray from that. But I do think it works as well. But Live to Tell, yeah. Live to Tell, this was, to me, this is such a great ballad and one of her best, in my opinion. And I think it's such a nice addition to the album. And I actually like how the album changes pace a little bit because I think this is a very strong song. And I love, um, I think it's interesting when we were talking about Like a Virgin, I was saying how the ballads on that album weren't really that great. And I think that one of the benefits of this album is she chose the right ballad to include on the album. If she was going to have a ballad, to me, this is one of the best ones she's ever done. And it really spoke to me, particularly when I was like 11, 12, um, discovering my own sexuality and figuring that out and different people, you know, in my life thinking about, you know, whether they would accept it or not. This song, particularly the line where she says, the light that you could never see, it shines inside. You can't take that from me. That always really hit me like in my heart when I listened to it. And even still to this day, it's, it's such a great track. That's great. Rocco. Can we also highlight the live moments of this song throughout her career? Because I think this particular song, I really wanted to do that. Mm. Uh, Particularly Blonde Ambition and Confessions. I mean, these are... And when, when in Truth or Dare, when the camera 360s her in the middle, I mean, just take me to church. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. The message of this song is really good, and I have to agree. And lyricism is pretty, pretty decent too. But my problem with this song is that it's just really... It's a bit too long, strenuous, boring, um, you know, and it doesn't fit. Um, also, I wanted to ask, um, was this the part of the Confessions tour with the crucifix? And it is. Yes. The, the Mirrorball crucifix. Yeah. Yeah, right. It was, yeah, that was a really spectacular part. Yeah. 
uh, as Chad's already said, in the Blonde Ambition Tour, and people who listen regularly know that I'm obsessed with that tour, the, the bravery of this performance, <laughs> the bravery of this performance, and not to mention just the, the, um, the courage to have that silent moment within an arena tour mm. like that, which comes in the, in the middle of this song. Yeah. To just let yeah. people um, meditate on the moment. Just so powerful. And then that whole section, how it's interlinked, interwoven with, you know, Oh Father and oh, Like yeah. a Prayer and that, that whole section of the tour, just it's spiritual and artistic and, and religious and controversial and provocative yeah, it, all at once. It stunned me and it really made me sad, obviously, when that, that number was projected. And I was like, what's that number that's rising? I don't know if this is... That's the confessions you're talking about. Yes. Yep, yep. Yeah, with confessions, that number's rising and then mm. you realise that it's that statistic about AIDS, um, children mm. with AIDS in mm. Africa. Yeah. Like, very, very powerful. What is Liv to tell about, though? She did an interview, I think it was in 2009 when she was um, doing, when she was promoting the Celebration album, she was on the cover of Rolling Stone. And I think in that interview, they asked her about this song. She said that she thought she may have been thinking about her parents or her father, but she then at the same time said, maybe not. So I think she's not even sure what the song's about or what her inspiration was, but I guess it's open for interpretation like every other song. When she was writing this, she was not writing it for herself, which a lot of fans have said maybe unlocked something in her writing as a songwriter that it didn't have to be, okay, this is what I'm putting out. It, it was It's like a totally different mindset as a songwriter when you're not tied to it, it being a part of your persona publicly. So that's just an interesting way to think about it. Now, Carol, you've been dying to talk about where's the party? <laughs> I think it should have been a single. It should have been a single. Like, it should have been a single. Like, it's all I want to say. <laughs> it should have been a single. <laughs> it's just amazing. Perfect. It should have been a single. Thank you. Um, it, it's a it's a total bop, isn't it? It's 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 fantastic. Um, Either from but whether and or you can dance because it appeared on you can dance. Mm. The extended mix of it is sublime. It's like nine mm. minutes of pure pop, fantastic. Have you heard that, um, Lee? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's one of my um, favorites of the album too. I, I just I, I really like this track. I like the intro, the the you can dance version. I like that intro where they're like having all these different like shouting out to different areas like Puerto Rico, you know, all that that whole part. I think that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And speaking of Blonde Ambition, uh what a hit it seems to be on that yeah. tour with fans. I was going to say that too. I love this on on Blonde Ambition. I just think the performance is so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that, the way they all emerge out. And one of my favourite little mini moments of Madonna's whole career is the screeching tyres sound effect yeah. <laughs> in the Blonde Ambition tour. I love it. I'm obsessed. It. Yes, yes. And there was also a little bit of it in uh, the Confessions tour too when um, she did Music Inferno. And music Inferno. Yeah, there's that little – you had to really, really listen closely to catch it, but there was a little bit of Where's the Party yeah. um, toward the end of that. At altitude, where's the party? Yeah, it's altitude, and it's like, where's the party? I want to free myself. I just love this song. Oh my goodness, did you know that's interesting, Rocco? I've, I know that back to front, but I never picked up that that was uh, a sample. 
Yeah, because of the effects of it, you almost can't even really tell what the voice is saying. But if you really listen closely, yeah, right, that's, right. yeah. Then we come to the title track of True Blue. True Blue, which for me, like I, I like this song, but this is the one that I feel doesn't quite <laughs> sit on the album. I don't know why. And I'm so surprised that the album is called this. I've got so many questions around this. Don't get me wrong, not being critical because I actually really love it. I love the uh, Rebel Heart when she got out the little violin or whatever, not violin, what was it? The um, <laughs> ukulele or something yes. like that. Yeah, the ukulele. Yeah, yeah, Beautiful. when she does this. So I, I love the track. I'm just curious about out of the whole album why this, A, got a release, um, how it fits thematically and why the album's called True Blue. Why is because the album called True Blue? this is the song Blue? about love, I think. That's why. And, and so um, are a lot of them though, Carol. She wrote this specifically okay. about Sean. Her husband at the time. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what I was going to say too. And yeah, also, the, it encapsulates the era, right? The new look, everything. It's fresh. It's true and blue. The video, and the video was very, um, you know, very delicate in in comparison to her previous Papa Don't Preach with Papa. I think Papa was yeah. I think this captures at least the lyrical meaning, or like the the yeah. I'm going to display my ignorance here. What does true blue mean? Does it mean genuine, the real deal? Does yeah, it? it's actually yes. based on an expression that Sean Penn said a lot. I think he said true blue. Oh, like Sean that. Penn used to go around going with take his cigarette out of his mouth, <laughs> true blue. Yeah, no, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and that's actually the basis for it. So I think that might be a big reason. Yeah, right. Yes. Okay, now I'm starting to piece and and then the name because she really wanted to dedicate. Okay, all right, I'm starting to get yes. it. Starting to get it. Yes. Thank yeah, you. It all comes back to Sean Penn. I like, yeah, I, it's not my favourite. I, I like it. It's, it, you know, the, the video was very entertaining. Um, it's quite interesting to see. She Is it is it Debbie Mazar, her friend, who who mm. was is in the video and he's been yeah, in yeah. a lot of videos of, of Madonna, um, which I'm quite, I never really thought Madonna was a particularly girl's girl that would have, like, girlfriends, but... Sort of reading about it, this, that friendship has lasted for for decades, um, which is obviously nothing to do with song at all. Uh, just it's quite interesting, but yeah, it's, again, it's one of one of the iconic Madonna videos and sounds, isn't it? True Blue, um, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's 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 yeah, it, it's pleasant. To bounce off of what Lee just said about um, Debbie, when I was at the Rebel Heart tour in Brooklyn, Debbie was actually in the audience and in the beginning of the song before she did it, she introed it by dedicating it to, um, to Debbie and they cut to her in the audience during the song on the screens. Lovely. Yeah. Madonna, Madonna doesn't maintain friendships particularly well. I don't think that's a secret. So yeah, you're right, Lee. This is interesting Mm -hmm. that this is a connection that has lasted for as long as it has true blue there, Chad. Uh, well, I, I was just ruminating on the difference between the, a music video for like this, you know, opposed to like Open Your Heart, which has so much more production value in my mind. But I know she wanted to do something, um, you know, more affordable and, and low scale. And I know she had that MTV Make My Video contest. Yeah, so contest. there's like mm-hmm. the two different versions, I guess, in a way. Uh, um, and then she met the winners of it on MTV and stuff. But um, it's I, I feel like it's dated, not the best. Like, it hasn't aged well. I don't know. It's still great. I mean, for her, it's great. But I much prefer something like Open Your Heart visually as in terms of a music video. Chad, do you know if the True Blue video um, 
that she's in ever got released in America or was that not until later? Oh, it did. Okay. Because I always, I knew about the contest and I always thought that that was the video that MTV played like in regular rotation. I think she was maybe trying to channel like a 50s or a 60s kind of vibe. Like if they were to do a music video from back then, I think that's probably what she was going for because the song has a very retro 60s pop kind of feel to it. You know, it's I, I like this kind of, you know, light, very cheerful kind of pop songs from Matana, like this one or even Should We Do. It, it grew on me, okay? It grew on me since since the last time Don't we talked. Don't get us started. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, and Carol... Carol, yes. Can I ask you a question? Please, you can. Do you do the choreography from this video clip in your bedroom? Uh, <laughs> you mean to True Blue? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love I know Lee dancing does. to Madonna songs. To Madonna songs, I just love dancing to Madonna songs, but I've never danced to this song. Like never. You, you don't do the little move to the left and then to the right and then sort of shake your thing a little bit. You know, I don't know. You, can really do you know, if I have to dance to something, I prefer Vogue or Girl Gone Wild or even Sorry. But this song, mm, like, honey, they're much better tracks. It's really hard to stay on a car bonnet, to be fair with you, without sliding off <laughs> of it. Um, so it, it's. <laughs> You know, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm so messy, <laughs> and so like I've got to find the right place. type of pants, Lee, because you know it's all about the, the yeah. friction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the you've got you've got to, It's all about yeah. It's all about preparation when you're doing this routine. <laughs> <laughs> preparation each. Yeah, yeah. That that takes the shine off the top of the car. Yeah, don't do. Don't do it on anybody else's apart from your own car. Neighbours don't don't like it when you ruin the car riding around it in a in a Bolero. They're not happy. Yeah, if it's night time and there's nobody around, that is fine. <laughs> Hi, everybody. So we've got a late entry to the podcast here, David. Our prodigal son, he has returned. Um, David, how was Las Vegas? OMG, it was phenomenal. I had the whole city to myself. It was empty. <laughs> Just you running through an empty Las Vegas, that is an image. Did you go and watch Shania Twain shuffling around her stage? No, all, all the shows are, are down. All, all the nightclubs are This was a pool relaxation and eating trip for me and seeing my friends. Oh. I heard that Shania Twain's show at Las Vegas is called, Man, I Feel Like a Nap. No. Oh, well, I saw her first show in 14. Her new one I haven't seen, but... All right, let's kick it off, and we're going to go. David, you have the honor of talking to us about what you think of La Isla Bonita. Uh, well, okay, this is a fantastic track that everybody is. It, I think everyone realizes that uh, Michael Jackson. It was he was supposed to sing it, yeah, and he said no, and it went to Madonna. And this is probably one of her most iconic songs. I'm sorry, David. I, I never knew that. How stupid am I? That's unbelievable. Can you tell yeah. us more about that? Michael Jackson was meant to record it or be in it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was offered, he was offered it, it. And he mm-hmm. declined. He just didn't think it, it suited him. So, I mean, hello, Madonna jumped on it. I tend to it agree. 
I tend to agree. I can't no. imagine Michael Jackson doing the, the girly show version of this. No, no, she rewrote the image, though, so it was very different before she took it and made it what it is. That needs to be said. I've got to say, David, if you don't mind me saying, I, I, I love this track, of course. Who, who couldn't? But is this track very homophobic? And especially coming from Madonna, I just don't get it. Homophobic? Well, it is a bit. I mean, she talks about love and romance and this beautiful uh, holiday thing that's going on, and it's only between a boy and a girl oh, or sake. a girl and a boy. Imagine but that. But it doesn't it's matter if you're black or white. Yeah. <laughs> this is the most popular song of Madonna. They play this song every day. Like, in, like this is the most popular in supermarkets. song supermarkets. Okay, so that's another point I was going to make. This song is probably out of her entire catalog, the one that's played on the radio most still with yeah. adult contemporary radio. I'm sure Madonna's made more money off this song than any other song in her catalog, for sure. Possibly. I don't mean to disrupt the love for this song. I really don't. But again, I'm going to say about this song, another criticism I have is I can't understand the words. I've sung this a thousand times it's homophobic. concerts. Uh, I want to be where the sun warms the sky when it's time for siesta. You can watch them go by. Beautiful strangers, no cares in this world, where a girl loves a boy and a boy loves a girl. Okay, well, I remembered all those lyrics. But there's other (laughs) lyrics in there that I can't hear, all right? (laughs) She's talking about the beauty of an island. She's she's been entranced by this gorgeous island and and is there with her lover. So that's how I see it. What's that one? What's that lyric, though, that goes like this? Um, Tropical and... Island, Tropical there's the a island word that breeze. I can't. The Tro- island breeze. Yeah, La Bonita is a beautiful island, Tim. Yeah, so that's so what she's The tropical about. breeze. Now, listen, yeah. I don't have a problem with the island people, all right? I love the island. I'm saying it sounds like she's saying tropicilli island breeze. <laughs> tropicilli island breeze. No. What the hell is that? What's a tropicilli <laughs> island breeze? She's singing like she's drunk. drunk. Is it Portuguese? <laughs> I don't know. It's bothering me, no, and I, I just want it to be right. Oh, what? I am going to then flip around here and give big. You know, one of the best performances live ever is the Girly Show. I reckon when she, um, the dancing, the choreography, the whole performance of this is amazing. I know she's done lots of performances of this, but I particularly love the Girly Show performance of this. I really can, like can Sick I and play? Sweet performance too. With uh, Paul Pakov trio, was, I think that was the gypsy one, right? The gypsy one was the speaking sweet mm-hmm. one. That one was. I love. Uh-huh. I love this performance. Um, for me, I, I um, showed my cousin this song and she doesn't know much about Madonna or much of her music, but she loved this the first time she heard it. Genuine, this is Caitlin, Dad. She was like... Did she very, very subtly start swaying her hips? She basically did. Disturbing. Yeah, she basically did. She, she said, oh, my God, I love... And she wasn't just saying it to be nice to me because I like it. She was like really, really into this song. Wow. Um, and so I just wanted to say that. It's a really nice thing. And also... And 30 Man- seconds later, she was doing the girly show choreography, <laughs> which is really strange because she's never seen it before. I mean, I tried to convince her to learn it, but she said no. <laughs> but Madonna... Da-da-dun, dun-dun. Yeah! Da-da-da, dun-dun. Yeah! What is it about this song that makes you go crazy? Sorry, I just love that on my head. Listen, I just want to say one more thing. Madonna described it as a tribute to the beauty and mystery of the Latin American people. And a tribute to homophobia as well. <laughs> okay, let's hand it over. Lee, what are you making of this one? I, 
I again, I like it. It's an it's a really nice song. In in the UK, when this song came out, we had a, a Saturday morning kids TV show, and they would review singles of the week with famous people. And the week that this came on, they had Margaret Thatcher on, who was oh. the then prime minister, okay, of of the UK. Um, and she was on a kids show, really? Yeah, she was on a kids show. Yeah, she was. It's so out of her comfort zone. <laughs> they kind of played a little bit of the video and then they get the panel to say what they think of it oh, um, no, and she didn't. loved it I'll yeah she it. loved it you she was like she, it's, it, no she was like it's got a good it's got a good i can move <laughs> to this and it was like that just kind of killed it for everybody it was like well if margaret thatcher likes it you know um so yeah it, she, it, margaret thatcher ruined it for for us it, it was it was never the same after that <laughs> Margaret Thatcher was on a kids' show providing panel uh, observations about La- Is La Bonita. Really? Yeah, yeah. she, she really cool. liked wow. Yeah, she loved that. She didn't YouTube like Mel and Kim. She didn't like <laughs> Mel and Kim's song. That was too repetitive for her. <laughs> Big Madonna fan, apparently. Oh, that is awesome. I can't wait to go and watch that now. Can we end the podcast? <laughs> That's so cool. No, no, no. Any other thoughts on this one? I just okay, want to say I really love her her ad libs on the outro. To me, that's I hate that it's the end of the song, but that that's my favorite part of the whole song. And um, I do love the girly show version, particularly Nikki and Donna's background parts when she's doing that um, that dance with the guys. I, I, I that makes that version so great for me. So yeah, um, this is a great song. Here, I think this song is kind of kind of like a crowd pleaser. Like, just you know, people generally like this song, and you know, I think we can't we can't blame them because this song is pretty catchy, pretty good. The lyrics are homophobic. Okay, I agree. <laughs> this song will never be the same for me. Like, I'm fighting with homophobia each and every day. And even Madonna was homophobic back then. <laughs> she just, was. She was. But she was sucks. converted by a very hardcore Christian group of people who were very progressive. By, by John Paul II, definitely. Well, Madonna wasn't homophobic. Her, her husband was at the time. But oh, I don't blame Sean Penn. Okay, right. I think well, that, has come, come a long yeah. way with the game. All of her husbands have been. Yeah, very <laughs> both cheap, for example, another homophobic Actually, yeah. person. Uh, in all seriousness, Sean Penn absolutely is not homophobic. That guy, Richie, you want to know homophobia through and through? That man. Really? There you go. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Horrible man. Horrible man. Oh, okay. um, I'll tell you something, though, um, because David didn't hear this. Uh, David, it's a rule of this podcast that any time you think something's authentic and fantastic, you have to pop in the expression, true blue, true blue. And you're, you're, you're nodding. I don't okay. even know if that's exactly what he said, but no, it was something that's what, like that. You reported it, my friend. Yes, I did report <laughs> it. That's your report. So don't <laughs> tell it. Right, here we go. Jimmy, Jimmy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How can we go no. from La no. Isla Bonita to Jimmy, Jimmy? I got to say, hands down, my least favorite song, maybe of her whole career, but definitely oh, of this oh, album. Way worse than Shooby Doo. This no. is the Shooby Doo of Shooby Doos. No, and what about Superstar? <laughs> Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy. Should I? Oh, can I share? Yeah. Should I say something? Uh, I just want to say that I didn't like this song when I first heard it, but and it is just a bit of silly fun. That's what it is. But I actually think for a filler song, which is this is the, this is the closest that the album comes to filler, it's actually pretty good. It's catchy. 
it's it's about her admiration for the neighborhood bad boy and it's enjoyable and I like it. Is this the one that goes Jimmy Jimmy oh yeah. mama mama Jimmy 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 you've, you've or have I mixed up. that up with something? Yeah, um, you've mixed I don't know what that is. But you you almost had it. <laughs> but that's what it is. I love this. Bad. Chad, I love this song too. I'm sorry. No, yeah, it's fine. I, I Unacceptable, I everybody. Wait, I love this song because it reminds me of James Dean, and I think that's who she's really singing it yeah. to. So, oh, okay. uh, that's part of the reason. I think it's just it's a doo wop, like '60s fun song. Yeah. I mean, but I respect that a lot of people don't like James. You know, I, I get it. Too. I, I get it. I usually like Madonna fillers on her albums. Uh, like I really like I Know It, which is definitely a filler on Madonna. I, I, it mm. should be do grew on me, but this particular track, well, mm, it's like a state of mind. It's something completely different. It's like, I don't know. It's like out of this world. I just, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, no, I, you know, I'm just making fun of this song but no it's just too repetitive nothing really interesting even superstar right. is better than this track um, i know we were talking about madonna being homophobic but one of the lines is my daddy says you just need a good licking well you know oh. she's she's she's, she's <laughs> read into that what you will yeah um i think that means something different in america than it does in the uk um, yeah it means a switch fanny. yeah uh, a switch to the old fanny oh okay right oh. um Mm, interesting, um, but yeah, it's not the in a only, sexual way. Not in a sexual, <laughs> but it's Madonna, so who knows? Um, I, I, I yeah, it's the one track that I will that I'll skip. It's the one off the album that I will always skip because I don't like it. I will skip the whole album. <laughs> David, just so you know, um, Carol caused quite a bit of controversy in here yeah. before you arrived, and and since you've been here, he's been on his best behaviour. Um, he he says that this album is atrocious and and should be burned. But Carol, Carol, you didn't live through the eighties, so you have to look at it like through you know. I'm just having fun. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Every every single person from a seven year old up to a seventy year old really liked Madonna at this time, but she was she was making everybody happy with her yeah, beautiful pop. Yeah, it's like a classical eighties pop, and it's but it's and it's, it's exciting. You know, yeah, it's just it's it's totally eighty six, and it's it's, it's kind of like her thriller in a way. If you want to relate it to Michael's career, thriller, but okay. So. Then we move to the final track on the album, Love Makes the World Go Round, which yes. sounds like Madonna has arrived at a Brazilian festival wearing clown pants. It's rather where's the party, isn't it? No, I think this song is really good. I love the message of this song. It's beautiful. I think that this this is one of the – this is the message that is still actual today that, you know, we can still say that love makes the world goes around or wherever. Uh, world makes the world go around and you know we can say that you know when she means sex definitely because you know reproduction children this kind of stuff so definitely or when we mean like love that the feeling the 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 affection uh, i would say that's you know definitely that this this song the meaning of the song is is timeless and very current very very um you know, it's a universal day, theme. Really, Love makes really the world go round. 
you know, it's sort of it, it's um, piggybacking off like the '60s sort of anti-war, let's make love, not war type thing. Yeah. And so um, I think I think that it was it was really nice of her to pay homage to it like that. So Did you know, makes that you can you can take um, "Where's the Party" and you can slip it into the track of this song. You yes, I know you you were doing that. You were singing "Where's the Party" lyrics over this. Well, song. you can you can do. But it. I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I'm saying. And and I think I, I would lump this one in with Jimmy Jimmy and the white electric or whatever it was called. I, white heat. The same. Yeah, that one. No. Go on, Chad. What do you think of this one? I, I was just going to say that for like the second album in a row, I feel like she ended it weekly because yeah. a lot of people are agreeing that Jimmy Jimmy and Love Makes the World Go Round are even if they love the songs are not as strong as some of the other songs. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it just seems like she's more about a strong opening than a strong closing, even on tour. And I started thinking about her entire career, but uh, definitely like a virgin ended with two. um, I won't say we, I think it's hard for Madonna to write a bad song. So even her bad songs are good, but I judge (gasps) them by Madonna standards. So um, yeah, I just think for the second time, the album ends kind of, Kind of weaker than it it has been throughout in my happy world i don't know do you know the song there's like a song bidet song have you ever heard this i don't know i think this song about MDMA. <laughs> hmm. i don't think that this song can be even called a song hmm. i like this track okay <sighs> I wish that they had closed the album with Open Your Heart, to be honest. I know that probably sounds strange because of where it's placed, but I really think that they should have closed with like a great track like Open Your Heart, and it feels like a closing song to me. Where's the party? I would close the album with Where's the Party. I like the fact that this, out of all of her socially conscious songs, this is one of the only ones I can think of that has a happy, optimistic mood to it. Whereas a lot of the other ones are very, either very serious or very upset and angry about the way things are. And I just like that this is one of the few that she's done that actually feels happy and uplifting and optimistic about the future. Yeah, I I love the bridge. The bridge is the is the best part of the song. She's like, "Don't judge a man so you've been standing in." The sh-. That's like such a great line. And uh, yeah, the, I think the message is a little cheesy, a little corny, but it's like like uh, Carol said, it's it's timeless. And I agree, Rocco. Oh my god. David, her bridges are incredible, and I was just—I forgot to say that True Blue's bridge is so phenomenal. Um, it is. Uh, yeah. They, you know, um, of course, I can't think of it right now, but no, no more sadness. I kiss it goodbye. Yeah, and and in the bridge and causing a commotion, like her her hooky bridges are so incredible. Okay, free shot for everybody here. Tell us your thoughts on True Blue. Do you listen to it? What do you think of it? Should she try to do songs like this again? Because many of them, for me, are timeless tracks. Well, I I think that this album is a very, I look at it as a very feel-good, happy album. And to me, it's such a contrast to so much of her other work because so much of her, her work in the future would get very deeper and more serious and this is an album that, to me, is like a go-to feel-good album. I do want to give some honorable mentions to um, Causing a Commotion and Who's That Girl and The Look of Love. Um, 
And also to Spotlight, which was originally written and recorded for this album, but ended up going on You Can Dance. And um, I'm glad that they used it for You Can Dance because I would have hated for it to have been in the vault and, uh, you know, just kind of leaked low quality, you know, in in more recent years somehow online. I'm glad that we got to hear it in that way because it's such a great song. And that's another song that puts me in a great mood you know it's spotlight is amazing it's like yeah. data point zero but i love it well you know she wrote or co-wrote every song on the album every song is strong and good like in its own right aren't her vocals good on this too they're so good confident vocals yep and i wish i'd grown up during this era um because you know it's a fr- thriller equivalent and i can definitely see why and like every song's iconic and and i like how she was experimenting with her image and evolving and and she was already showing the world that she was willing to sort of like take risks and, and do what she wanted to do in mm. spite of the commercial, maybe, you know, riskiness of it. Um, and I just want to say Slant Magazine put it in their top 100 albums of the 1980s. Oh, good. So, and then they said True Blue was the album on which it became readily apparent that Madonna was more than just a flash in the pan pop star. And so I think they have the right perspective. So. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's amazing how many times new artists have to prove themselves because she'd had that first album with so many great tracks. Yes. Then she had Like a Virgin album, which had, you know, some great singles and mm. she had proven that she was around. But, yeah, this one, I agree, probably did cement it once and for all. Yeah. She's here and she's – she's. this was mature pop to me, very mature pop. Lee. Mm. Yeah, I, I still listen to it now. Um, there are some fantastic songs on it. It's it's it, It's – it sounds good now. It doesn't sound particularly dated. I've learned stuff about it today. I had no idea that certain songs were written for other artists. I'd love to hear what the Michael Jackson version of Laila Bonita would sound like. And yeah, I think she should go back to making that kind of sort of like melodic pop. Chad. Well, I just want to say that uh, in in the last podcast we did for Like a Virgin, we, we talked about how the record company refused to give her like all the creative control and on this one she finally got it mm-hmm. so you know as mentioned she wrote or co-wrote every song but she also co-produced the actual album as well which is no small feat and i think she was really in control in that way that she wanted to be um which is awesome and kind of to go a little bit deeper um this was the whole sean penn era right and the press surrounding them was like heightened like crazy and they were volatile and fought and everything and i think because of him like he really informed really so many things i think he obviously informed this album but i don't think we would have had like a like a prayer or even a blonde ambition or that that kind of dominant um assertiveness that we saw come out of like blonde ambition and all those things that she did if she hadn't had that marriage and had that divorce what an amazing analysis i loved listening to that good Mm. on you chat and carol i've deliberately left you to the end what's your take on Uh, true blue okay so i'm a bit torn to be honest right now because uh, like charlie is (laughs) charlie like um one side of me is saying that I still hate this album. It's completely worthless, trashy, complete, <laughs> completely uninteresting, uninteresting. But on the other hand, like um, somewhere in my head, when I was listening to you, I was 
you know, um, reaching to almost, you know, like I started to thinking that maybe this album is a bit deeper than I at first actually thought it is. Maybe, uh, but you know, um, David and Rocco said that this album was her flair, flair, Boja, <laughs> thriller. But I think still, I, I believe that this is not on the level of thriller. I think True Blue is not the, on the same level as thriller. Glad that you enjoyed this album, and I'm really glad that I. You know, I got a bit different perspective and um, yeah, I think that's all I wanted to say. Well done, uh, Carol. Well done. And as Chad and others on the line have said, no hate here. You're allowed to think whatever you like and it's absolutely fine. And Carol, it's been a pleasure having you on this podcast and offering a completely different perspective. Well done. You've done a great job. Thank, Thank you, everybody, you. and I'm, I'm just going to use the authentic new expression that we're all going to use from this point forward. True blue, mate. True blue. True blue. Yeah, hey, Tim. Oh, Thank you very much. I just wanted to say that uh, I'm really grateful that I had a chance to do it with you today. But, you know, uh, and I wanted to apologize for, you know, for my behavior sometimes. And I just wanted to say that um, I, I wanted to greet each and every poll that will watch this video, be strong and fight for our equality and Iabati peace. Thank you very much. Good on you, Carol. Thank you. Somebody else was about to say something. Oh, Tim, I just wanted to say, Lily really wanted to be here and she she was sad to miss it. And she just wanted me to say that Live to Tell is her favorite song of all Madonna and her entire catalog. Oh. Uh, and especially the, the, the long, um, the, the long version of Live to Tell, the... Um, 18 minutes. Uh, oh. Yeah, the, the extended super long one. But she says hello to everybody. Hello we need everybody. we we need to always acknowledge that even when Lily isn't on the podcast, she's always in the podcast in spirit. Yes. Lily is probably tending to a washing machine right now or something very similar. <laughs> but g'day, Lily. It's nice, nice to have your thoughts fed in through Davey. Thank yeah. you, everybody. Have a fantastic night. True blue, mate. True blue. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Thanks, Tim. Thanks. Bye.